everybody. Welcome along to The Way We Are podcast. It is I, Catherine, and I'm here again today without Ivan. So this is two in a row without Ivan. And today it's the tur- turn of my father, uh, Sir Pat Chortal. Your think, daddy. It, your, <laughs> my daddy. He's already interrupting. This is not going to be like my beautifully respectful mother. This is not, this is already, this is going to be an issue. I know that. That's because we're very alike. So if you're here for Ivan and you find me a pain, you might want to give this a skip because you're kind of getting me. I guarantee <laughs> I will be a pain. I knew that. I knew that. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can email us at thewaywearepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website thewaywearepodcast.com and you'll find all our social media links there. We will be doing something a little bit more seasonal next week coming up to the 24th podcast, actually. So, yeah, so we'll uh, announce that on Instagram quite soon. And as usual, this is the way we are. So last week, we talked about the way we are coping I guess with disease from a distance and all that kind of thing with my mom this week it's totally different much more uh, about the creative process and writing because my dad is a writer so I thought it would be very interesting to talk to him about art and the creative process and its role uh, the role it plays in his life because this podcast is all about self-fulfillment and bettering oneself and feeling fulfilled and content with your life so I think my dad is a very good example of that as he's approaching the autumn of his years would we say that yeah but the uh, the (laughs) leaves the leaves aren't withered yet no no they're lovely they they have this golden glow about a golden hue Mm, like my gray hair (laughs) so um my dad is Pat I forgot to introduce mom last week well, I can introduce her this week. No. 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 Okay. And it should be noted as well that whereas we're very open about the tragic in our lives, we're a very open family anyway, very honest with one another. We also have a very dark sense of humor. So just, you know. Yeah. Just and that, <laughs> we know the direction that came from. You're blaming me now, aren't you? Yeah. Go on with the questions. Okay. So, well, uh, yeah. So you're, I, I, I introduced you as a writer. Is that how you would introduce yourself now? No. No? No. I would just introduce myself as an ordinary human being. Well, that's what we like here, actually. And we, we're all given gifts, and sometimes we don't get a chance to use them until we have to go searching for them. I think so, yeah. Mm. And when we do, um, we realize that they were there all the time, and we didn't have, we didn't have the respect that the gifts needed and the respect that the gifts deserved. And we're in a rush then to deal with them, mm. to, um, to, to show them that respect. I, that, I'm glad you said that because that's why we started this podcast, because we were, we feel like sometimes you get to a certain point in your life where you don't have the confidence to do something or you think people are going to make fun of you or, Maybe, yeah, maybe you're, you don't take the time to foster the skills that you have or even, you know, work at the things that you have a passion about. But you've kind of, let's go back to the beginning with you because I'm guessing you were, you were sick as a kid. So I'm guessing you've been a daydreamer 
most of your life. Can I just remind you that a kid is a young goat? <laughs> I told you this is going to be a difficult, listener. Uh, but yes. A child, you meant to say? A child, I meant mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. yes. Okay, yes. I was a child one time. Yes. Mm. But you've been a. Would you classify yourself as a bit of a daydreamer? I'm not really. No, no? I'm not a daydreamer. No, no, I. I I get on with stuff. I think about stuff and I get on with it. And uh, before going back to the childhood era, um, you know, today, if I if I was thinking about something, I need to get um, uh, regarding writing, especially I'd need to get it down on paper straight away, because I think with writing, you lose most of the good stuff that you should have written because you hadn't the common sense to have a pa- piece of paper or a pen with you. Right. And therefore, the best writers and even the mediocre ones have lost uh, the best idea and the best of what inspiration has to offer. Yeah. And do, so do you, are you one of these people that as soon as you start nodding off at night, something will come to you and you'd have to write it down? Because I'm definitely, I'll have the phone by my bed or a notebook by my bed. Yeah, well, I'm no good to record or capture anything on the phone, but I would wake up during the night sometimes to, there was two words now playing on my mind the other night, and I said, how am I going to remember? I was too lazy to get up naturally enough. I know, yeah. And um, uh, how am I going to remember these two words and they were to do with something that I was writing? But luckily enough, I did remember them um, when, when morning time came. But you were, you know, it wasn't always like that. You mentioned going back to childhood there. And um, I don't know whether you want me to tell you about my childhood or was writing part of my childhood, um, but it wasn't. I know that because you're a celiac and you had that as a kid. So you spent a long time in hospital and there was no TV. We're back to the goat again. (laughs) My mother's laughing in the background. You can't hear her. It's all right. Uh, uh, so it's uh, when the, you, you were had a the child, child. You were talking about yes. You so you had no television. Did you entertain yourself with your own stories or little observations? I know you said you weren't a daydreamer, but you, I know you read the dictionary because I remember how that dictionary is still at home. That dictionary is still at home, but I only ha- I only found that in my late teens. Oh, but really? Before okay. that, I didn't know what a dictionary was. Uh, I have since learned that it's also a lexicon, which I was delighted to to get that meaning. Uh, lex- lexicon and dictionary are all the one. Uh, isn't, doesn't that sound great? Sound, doesn't I'm that sound like that I know something? It does, yeah. Mm. It does, yeah. But anyway, um, a quick resume of my childhood. And you'd notice that I don't say kidhood. <laughs> I say childhood. I'm to drink some coffee. Um, so... Spent, as a result of the celiac thing, I spent uh, probably two and a half, three years almost of my early childhood life in hospital. And as a result, my education suffered and I needed, I certainly was one of those people that needed education as a youngster. But anyway, I got there, got to sixth class and I would say I probably completed four years altogether in school as a child right. and that was it i didn't think four it was years. that little that it that right. was it i remember 
I remember one of my early days at school and I thought I was great. I didn't mean to show up the rest of the class, but it, it, uh, it turned out that I was showing up. But I remember a teacher, Miss O'Brien, tall lady, lovely lady, very patient teacher. And she was teaching us in, it must have been senior infants or some of those classes. I know it certainly wasn't in first. But she said, what rhymes with donkey? And nobody had a clue. And of course, donkey and monkey. So um, I had this brilliant idea that E was on the end, you know, or Y was on the end of the both of them. I managed to pick up on that. So donkey, mon- monkey. And then I said, sure, fairy would be another thing. You know, and I thought it was brilliant to think about this. And I never forgot it. And of course, I was put in my place straight away and the fingers pointed as they do at that age. And the laughing was plentiful. Were you, was was this what, five, four or five? I would have been probably around, I'd say I was six. Yeah, I'd have, uh, this is weird though. This is because we're very alike. I have a very similar story from junior infants from about this age of six. Go on with it. The teacher asked, Mrs. Campion in my case, asked, when do birds build their nests? And I thought about this, as you did. I had a very logical answer in my head. Well, of course, they'd built their house in the winter when they need the bit of warmth. So I put up my hand and said winter. And the laughing that I got. But in my head, it felt like it was a decent answer. Well, uh, I quite understand. <laughs> yes. And I would accept that answer. As so being we have correct. a shared uh, yeah. humiliation there from yeah, our early um, days. <laughs> look, you just you just gloss over these things yeah. and you can talk about them 60 years later. And uh, they your, must, it must needle in, then at both of in us. In your case, 25 <laughs> years later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's look, very generous. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 all part. But. You don't dwell on, um, you don't dwell on, you know, being put down. That's that's not something you should dwell on. It's my as a teacher. It's and I know you teach now as well. I hate, I'd hate to think I put people down. I wouldn't ever want, no matter yeah. how, you know, maybe ridiculous an answer might be. I'd hate to ever feel like somebody felt stupid in a room with me. Mm. I think it's especially because. Like you, you, you teach something and that's creative as well. And, and so do I. Um, and I just feel it's, it's way more personal, I think, than if it was a wrong maths answer or a science answer. I think when you're dealing with something that's anyway in the arts, I think you can do a lot of damage by, you know, telling mm. somebody they're wrong. But yeah, so. Well, education in itself is uh, there are three ways to approach it, I think. And uh, the first is that we must be educated. And some people have this great longing to be educated. And then there are the people who are being educated and they feel it's been forced on them. And then when we reach the adult education stage that people want then to be educated in a specific field. um, And... They will be like children at that stage and they will not understand maybe the content of the subject um, content in the sense that 
um, the whole area surrounding the particular subject they want to learn about, but just haven't that understanding. Yeah. Um, and you must treat them all uh, like all my students. I would teach them um, the, the 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 content as it should be, and to m- help them improve by repeating. You know, you don't just explain something and think they know it. You know, you devise ways of repeating the same answer, maybe in a different way. Yeah. You know, and make it easy, make it easy. And some people aren't, um, they don't learn the same way. There are people that um, are a bit slower or maybe there's just one word that they don't understand. So you've also got, to approach that area to educate and them as well. And I think, it, like, the t- the types of intelligence that people have varies widely. Of course. So, you know, you have people that are intelligent when it comes to sports, you know, or intelligent when it comes to mechanics or intelligent when it comes to poetry or whatever. So, unfortunately, the system isn't set up to cover all of that. And that's where people mm. get turned off school. But I want to go back to what you you said there about people having a longing to be educated. So did you feel then when you left, you were 13 when you left school, were you? I 14? was 13, 14, 14. 14. 14. Did you feel, did you feel like you had enough or did you feel still a longing for an education? Well, strangely, I remember one day in sixth class, and sixth class was very much above me, but I couldn't go back to fifth because hospital did delay my education to a certain extent. But one day um, we were taught by brothers in sixth class and he had this large book, like a roll book. And it was as if um, an inspector brought the book into him and he started listing off names. And I knew nobody didn't know any of the names and it mentioned what they were doing now and most of them had done no good at all really yeah and i said to myself you know isn't isn't that an indictment of our educational system and why should this happen so i wasn't one bit pleased that you know, that this was being read from this logbook. So I instantly thought I'm going to do as well as I can education-wise. From here on in, I'm going to go to the next step in education, which would be secondary school. And if there was something beyond that, I would go there as well. So it happened that my father, my mother had been dead a long, long time. My father was sick uh, and he had this congestion on the lungs. I don't know what they call it nowadays, but we used to hear an awful lot about this congestion on the lungs. People used to call to him and, how are you today, and all the rest. Turned out he was very sick, and he needed someone at home. Okay. So I said, there goes my secondary education. And were you bitter about that? No, I didn't think much of it at all. I, I, in a way, I liked the freedom but then yeah. i found that i had to go to work because you know the 
there wasn't money coming into the house, so I got a few small jobs here and there, and he became okay. He got he got. A, he um, lived for a long time after. Oh, that. he lived for yeah. a long time, yeah. But um, you know, he got a new lease of life. Not that I was much help, but <laughs> I did what I could. But that was uh, so I. I began reading, I suppose, then, and one of my favorite things at the time was the Evening Press crossword, and I used to do the. And my ambition was to get the crossword out every evening. Really. And I used to get this um, Reader's Digest, and it used to explain words to me. And this is where, and you didn't mention to your listeners that I had this love of words. You do. I um, think. I think that's coming across. It probably is. Yeah. yeah. I just I just need to <laughs> correct you every now and again. But anyway, constantly um, learning that. The 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 love of words and I suppose I got it from the readers digest because they used to have this these large words or and it would force you to kind of um go search for the meaning of the word or you know they might give you three different meanings. And this magazine or book used to be out every month. And between that and the Evening Press crossword, I used to look forward to it. And um, it probably helped me a lot more than I realised. Now, there's two things, and, and it pains me to compliment you at times, but I, I am that. going to compliment you. Just the presence of mind to have as in sixth class, to have that view of education outside of yourself having not had the opportunity to spend that much time in the system but to be able to make an astute assessment of what was going on and what you could or could not get from it at that stage but then the second thing I want to say obviously that speaks to the great intelligence that you have um but the second thing to foster a love of reading and language and words in the absence of an example at home because I assume your dad wasn't a reader no, he wasn't a reader. Did he read? Uh, did, could he read? Oh, he could read, he yeah. Could he read. could read okay. and write, yeah. Sorry, yeah. that sounds but like an ignorant his, question, no, but no. at the time it wasn't. In no. Ireland, definitely not. Like. One of his eyes was gone from a very early age. Oh, I didn't know so that. So he had to, oh. he used to have to read with his left eye. His right eye was gone oh, right, okay. for, for years and years. And it was very hard for me. He used to kind of bend his head and... Uh, you you wouldn't know really that he was trying to read the paper or whatever would be in front of him and he um he used to bend his head in some way and you know you'd think he was looking in another direction you know but he was actually reading but he he used to love to read about um the the hurling of course which was uh, a big part of living in kilkenny and still is and he would read, which was the Kilkenny people every week that, you know, mm. gave him this hurling news, um, be it winter or summer. And he would um, he wouldn't miss a page. And there'd be always something a local um, Dominican priest used to write. And uh, he was a religious man in his own yeah. way. And he used to read uh, Father McNamara, um, who... Uh, used to write every single week in the Kilkenny people. Occasionally he'd get the Irish press. I mentioned the Evening Press. The Irish Press and the Evening Press used to be out daily. But the Irish Press was, um, I suppose people used to regard it as a political uh, paper for a certain party. But he used to love that after a match. 
and I'd say most of the the Irish press was skipped because he would get very tired yeah. to read and he just want he'd maybe want just He was hurling. a big radio man, wasn't he? Just uh yeah, he, he was given a free radio because of his sight. Oh, the, right. the the um, the Blind Society of Ireland um gave so many radios to so many blind people um and he was one of the lucky ones he got a radio yeah and it made him up really because he used to hear the the matches and you know years ago you couldn't plug in a radio because there wasn't electricity there was you'd have to go to some agent to get these batteries and they'd be saving these batteries for an All Ireland Day or a Leinster Final Day, <laughs> a hurling match, in other words, oh my and God. You, you'd buy these um, wet and dry batteries, and these were you have to spare them. And but anyway, that was really the olden days before electricity. But I have seen them. I, I yeah. would have seen these batteries. And if uh, sorry, if the listeners are wondering why I'm asking questions about my grandfather, I was ten months old when he died, so I didn't meet him. Um, so as I was saying that you you had an absence of an example, I guess, just to foster that love of reading and um, education, I suppose. But I do know that like there there was probably an oral tradition of storytelling maybe around the community. I know like on our road in particular, people would drop in and chat a lot. Right. Mm. There's a lot of so it may not be an act like it's something that people actively pursued but it was just there so that love of language like you have a lovely turn of phrase and and i will be getting you to read one of your poems later but there's a lovely turn of phrase there and a very colloquial um expressions come out in in your work especially and i guess maybe second hand if somebody wasn't there saying oh pat you should read the reader's digest or you should read this or read that just being surrounded maybe by that and maybe you're maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm maybe i'm reading too much into it maybe it was mm. just you if you didn't do something you'd be really bored <laughs> well the thing about um i knew there was a, a a problem um especially in my teens that i couldn't speak to people i remember going into a, a person's house one night and he he was bringing up the subject of orchestral music and in particular he talked about Beethoven and I said to myself I need to learn about Beethoven and all of those people around that time so I set about um, looking into Beethoven and Mozart and Tchaikovsky uh, Bach the whole lot I still don't know an awful lot about him but about them but I know they existed and i know they were really really gifted people and i would enjoy their music to a certain extent and i remember beethoven's fifth actually made the charts sometime around the early early 70s oh, right. and uh you know and i just that gave me a, another push to learn more about mm. beethoven tchaikovsky and and so many more of them and this is not something you learn in school. No. Um, so, and so many other subjects, you know, so many other things that I like. Astronomy, for example. Um, I loved, I loved looking up at the stars and 
uh, you know, the different shapes that the stars make. So I bought a book on astronomy and so many other subjects like that. Um, that uh, you, you you know you don't you don't learn in school, but I remember uh, so many years ago. Now it was actually we'll go back to my childhood again, or Your as you kid-hood. would say, my kidhood. Um, I was in third class, and uh, some of us were lucky enough to be given uh, books that would take us into fourth class. So I got this table book and very few people got any other books but I was given this table book and um, I felt I was doing okay at tables but I didn't like maths or sums as we used to call them then but this was in I suppose early June or maybe the last couple of days in May so I had to mind this table book from third class as I was going into fourth so I read it um, for the first few days of the summer holidays and then I lost the book (gasps) and I remember I remember saying it to my neighbour my next door neighbour I've I've lost my table book I'm not going to be able to go into fourth class you know that's the way you'd be thinking back then and oh god I'm sorry to hear that and um, came near and near the time and my whole holiday was ruined because I lost the table God. book. I didn't know where you'd get one. And um, I got on to him again and he said, did you see my table book? And he he wouldn't have seen it naturally enough. But, I, you know, anyone anyone around, I asked him, did they see my t- table book to bring me into fourth class? So it turned out he surprised me one day and brought me this table book home. And... Uh, marvellous who was that neighbour that was Paddy Deneve really yeah yeah. he brought Aww. me this table book and, what a gent uh, ah yeah Paddy was great and um, went into delighted him with myself of course going into four class uh, with my uh, brand new table book and of course walked into the class that morning like every other child now the books you have the teacher said uh Let's see who needs what book and who needs. I needn't have had worried at all because there was oh, no God. notice, uh, no notes taken of the fact that I had been given a table book. But anyway, it turned out that it was the wrong one. <gasps> he got me the wrong one. Oh, no. And there, it, there was a new edition out that particular year. So it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be right anyway. Yeah. But it's just, isn't it amazing, the little memories? But... The fact that he even went to the effort for you mm, made no play, difference. But uh, but again, as a child, that subconsciously probably put extra importance into your learning and the 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 need for a, an education there. Yeah, well, I, I like knew those I little needed. things, like mm. you know, they they stick in a kid's brain. Like, funnily enough, Paddy Deneef. Mm. Something that sticks in my brain growing up with you and Paddy would be exchanging the newspapers in the evening. That's right. And I always remember thinking, I'd love to unlock the secret code of newspapers Mm. and to be able to sit down and enjoy the newspaper like Paddy and Dad do every Mm. day. And that for me was an example that I could look at and go, someday I'm going to read the newspaper. Funny that you should remember that. Yeah, Because that's something I had forgotten. And I remember very well now that you bring it up. 
I have definitely got a love of words and language because of you. Hmm. And you and Mam would always encourage me to use the library and read books and escape. Because, you know, nowadays kids have phones and they have, there was nothing on TV when we were, like nothing much on when we were growing up. Like I upset was obsessed with books. I loved going to the library. And I remember when I, when the librarian trusted me to move to an adult card a year before I was allowed to. And I just, I thought, this is it. I have made it. Mm. I get four books now for two weeks. Sorry, is this interview about me? Or no, you? it's about it's about uh, writing in general. All but right, okay. See this, this is what I have to deal with. But, uh, but I, that was an active thing that you did in my life where you were encouraging me. And so to, just to kind of, to have that drive from within you, like to have the Reader's Digest and all that kind of thing. And then when you were coming into your 20s, you started collecting books around then, didn't you? Yeah, I collected some great books and some poor ones as well. But um, yeah, I remember, I suppose Walter Mackin was the first of the books I collected. I was 18 or 19. Um, I had a liking for Irish authors for some strange reason. Um, probably to do with, you know, the, their, their rural writing um yeah. and especially like walter mackens and his his trilogy of the scorching wind about the famine and uh, um and then some other books as well endo o'brien the country girls what i learned from it i don't know i probably le- it's probably one of her m- most um i suppose the best seller in in, in some yeah, yeah. and uh, but i learned more uh, from a pagan place, I suppose, than I did from the country girls. Yeah, you know, but she was she was brilliant. I I, I love the Irish authors. Yeah, and I, I think that the country girls is very just when you brought up the rural thing, it, it captures, I guess, for a lot of people that sense of being trapped in the countryside. And you mm. weren't necessarily trapped in the countryside. You're I kind know. of because no. you weren't that far from town, but that but you were probably. Surrounded by people who maybe did get trapped in rural life in well, a way. If you were a mile from Kilkenny City that time, you were really, really mm. a country child, a country chap, you know, and you were regarded, uh, you know, unless you got to within 100 yards from the city, you know, you wouldn't be classed as a townie. So we're very, very much country people. Once you left the, the, the Kilkenny suburb, which you know, was, you'd know it well yourself, but there's that them and us. I know. I, I often think what would your grand, what would your father think or even your grandfather mm. about the motorway now being so yeah. close to us to Isn't Dublin? It strange? You know? Uh, you know, we were only a mile from the city, but I remember my father talking to different people and he'd be talking to me about his days and they lived across the field from where we live now and his uh what had they they had five children and he had two brothers and two sisters and they lived i suppose maybe 30 yards um away from where he eventually lived in the cottage he eventually lived in and in the 30s maybe the 1920s 30s before the before world war ii um 
they didn't have, you know, no, they might have had a big house, but it wasn't a big house in the sense it was a farmhouse. Yeah. And, you know, you might think it was big, but part of that house was outhouses to stable cattle, to stable pigs or whatever else. But it was mostly uh, cows and cattle they had. But, um, uh, you know, there was nothing grand or nothing um, majorly big about where they lived. But um, one of the things that uh, I remember him saying, um, if anyone was going that mile into town, and more than likely you'd take a pony and trap or an ass and cart or shank's mare, which is walking. So they would walk into town that mile. That would take you about 25 minutes yeah. uh, to walk. And my father's mother, my grandmother, would say, uh, when you're in town, on your way home, will you bring home the time? I don't know whether, you, uh, whether I mentioned that to no. you before, but that was a great saying um, for, and many people in the country would have that experience where they'd be told to bring home the time. So the actual time from a clock in town. The ac- yes, wow. and more than likely the, the town hall or some recognized building wow. that would have a clock. So then if it was five past four and it took 25 minutes to walk home, it was exactly half four. That's mad. Yeah. You'd be asked to, uh, did you dawdle along the way? Uh, did you talk to anybody? Uh, and then they'd factor that in. They would. Wow. They would, yeah. Yeah. Did you meet anyone? You know, wow. and they wouldn't be asking you. It's a kind of a double barrel question. Did you meet anyone? But they're also thinking of the time. Yeah. And who did you meet? And just and, to and how was he or she today? So there's a lot of questions. And find out what she talked about. Exactly, so fa- that's exactly, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So just to like to to even I mean because I'm, I'm interested because you're so creative and you you're you're full of stories and obviously as people can hear and full of poems and obviously you're my dad so I'm very like very proud of that and very protective of that and so you should be (laughs) I love the fact that the rest of the world gets to see this too um and we've been saying for years that you should publish and thankfully you have um published twice now well kind of three times with the group as well um but it's interesting. What I find particularly interesting with you is that you've always been drawn to the very best wordsmiths across different fields. So, for instance, like the Leonard Cohns of the world or the Neil Youngs of the world. Like you've always been drawn to people who have something to say about ordinary people and ordinary life, but do it in a hyper artistic, poetic way, if you like. Yeah, but... Um I wouldn't claim to be an artist of words. I'm interested in words mm. and I'm interested in what people say and how they can um, get across a paragraph in a different way. So, um, you know, Leonard Cohen, of course, is one of the greats universally recognized for his greatness and for his um, I suppose his own deep love of words. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, like you could, you could look at um, Leonard Cohen's writing as a gospel in many ways. And there's always a way in, and this is what I love about your poetry as well. Anyone, it's open to everybody. 
It's not trying to exclude you. Like you don't need to like like you mentioned having that conversation with somebody and they mentioned Beethoven and Bach and whatever and you had to go and kind of find out who they were. Yeah, but well I you, was lost that I yeah. remember that was on a Saturday evening in sixty, whatever it was, nineteen sixty, whatever it was, and I couldn't become involved in that conversation. Exactly, yeah. And that hurt. But I like that I what I love about art and I, I will respectfully disagree with you. I mean, I know I'm 37, but I still honor thy father and mother. Um, I will respectfully disagree with you because I do think there is an artistry to your work, whether you own it or not. That's other people will experience it as art and take that on board. But I think it's very I think it's very important that work like yours exists and Leonard Cohen's exists and all that kind of thing because they invite everybody in you so don't have writers, to yeah. you don't have to have any prior knowledge necessarily mm. do you know what I mean yeah but so many writers um are experts at fiction and they can tell a fictitious story or write a movie or whatever it is and there's plenty of room for that in the world. And so many people exaggerate their own life experiences as well. There's plenty of room for that. Um, I can do a bit of fiction in poetry. And I, what I like to do is observe. Now, you told me a story the other night about yes. uh, a certain... Uh, lady getting on a bus with her dog and I thought about that and believe it or not it's going around in my head for the last day or so and it's almost there and yeah. I'm almost ready to write it down and that's an observance yeah. and to observe uh, to observe and listen to what someone is saying mm -hmm. and try and coil it around in your brain and you know keep it fresh for the next day and the next day and you can add to it and take from it um i think observances is probably my strong point whether that's artistic or not is open to question well i well i think if you read some of your poems and you see the observant the, the observation you've made people can see themselves in that or see somebody they know in that, or see maybe not even see anyone anything familiar with it, but they'll draw meaning from that. It helps them frame their experience in a new way. So I think that's where mm. the art comes from. I think that's you know there's there's loads of ways in which you can define art, but I think helping people to frame their experience of this crazy world and mm. doing that whether it's in a poem or a song or I mean you were telling me last night was eighty four verses Hallelujah. That's true. <laughs> I yeah, mean, like, Leonard Cohen's, yeah. Yeah, I, and if you yeah. listen to that song, like, and even Mam was saying, you know, that's sung in churches, and mm. we were saying there's certain verses you definitely that's don't yeah. <laughs> sing in exactly, a church. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But it just, yeah. I think, that's why art is so powerful in all its forms. I think, mm. you know, from, you know, the from the lowest to the highest brow art, I think it's, it's, Im it's important that people find an outlet that mm. I think that, that helps them frame their experience and I I am of the firm belief that everybody, regardless of what they say, everybody has a creative side to them. Well, yeah, there. I mean, 
any of us could write down 100 famous people. You might even stretch it to 1,000 famous people that you're aware of. Start with Elvis Presley and go in any direction you like. Start with Cliff Richard, whatever. Start with Madonna. You you will eventually get up to maybe 5,000 people in a week that are famous, that we all know. There are equally 5,000 who are not famous. Yes. And and they didn't get the break. Yeah. Whereas the 5,000 we know were lucky enough someone put money in their path or someone spread it. a bit of gold <laughs> dust, whatever it was. There are 5,000 more who who just didn't get the break, who didn't have luck on their side and they're probably just as good. Or weren't maybe... Uh, maybe didn't have the confidence or weren't encouraged maybe. well that's another thing i yeah. mean you could build a whole circle around uh, and uh, a circle of excuses yeah. sort of um, i've been doing that like mm. i've do, i've always like with my writing i've always done that and this year has taught me no you can't do that anymore and even before i, I got sick mm. to be fair i'd already started writing so mm. and i just decided well i mean nobody has to give me permission to do this no but whether but even if you're just at home you know, crafting or sewing or painting for yourself, it can be very therapeutic. It just it doesn't mm. necessarily require fame to do to be successful in your own. No, uh, fame can hinder you. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. But I think uh, you know you talked about um, the art side of it, and I talked about it being a gift. Um, you know, writing is different to anything else. Anyone can write. Um, I mean, you have to learn music now. You could be a gifted musician and you could uh, be a, a child prodigy or whatever. But with writing, it's it's a freedom. It's an escape. And you don't, it doesn't have to be something like a scale or you don't have to abide by rules. And my first book is Words Without Rules. And I deliberately had it. It was... It, it was it must um have it had to have that title that particular book the first one uh because i think it's one area and if you want to call it art whatever it's one uh area that you can break rules yeah um you know whereas music if you're playing if you're playing a song no matter what nationality it is you know, you have to abide by the rules and the notes. Even in jazz. Right? Even yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, there are occasionally people come around mm. come along and they say, Right, I'm going to treat this particular song my way, mm. but yet you have to obey the rules. You must you know, the notes are in a certain place. Piano playing, a trombone, you know, you must the note is there on the slide or on the valve, wherever it is, you Everybody must Everybody knows what when something yeah. musically sounds yeah. wrong, it hits the ear. Oh yeah, completely. but with writing, yeah, um, writing is different. Writing is an escape. Writing is good for you. Writing will put you into a good mood. If yeah. you know, there are so many things that that writing will complement in your life. Yeah, and that's something that like we've we've brought it up before on the podcast as well. Like keeping notebooks for yourself, even if it's not creative stuff, but like keep keeping. Like keeping an account of 
what's going on in your day or maybe making lists about what you're grateful for. It can really like bolster mm. your spirit. Um, when did you f- write your first poem then? I just want to go back to the word creative that you mentioned there. Okay. A lot of people talk about, oh, I'm, uh, I'm joining a creative writing class. You don't need to join a creative no. writing class. Whatever you write is creative. Yeah. This is where the rules come in. Uh, or you have to abide by the rules of being creative. If you write the word the, the cat jumped over the moon, whoever came up with that, uh, you know, wasn't it, wasn't it marvelous in mm-hmm. that it's so ridiculous? Mm-hmm. So if you write something similar, that's creative. Yeah. It's your creativity that reversed the moon jumped over the cat or whatever it is, you know. So I don't go along with creative writing and that a guy is getting a thousand pounds or euros or whatever it is a week to treat someone creative right or to teach someone creative writing right you can be creative yourself yeah you can teach someone uh as much as you like but you are the pupil is yeah. the creative sorry what was your question no again? and i i think to i i i think there is a place for courses that help people with creative writing but i think you're right in the sense that you can start right now if you Hmm. want to do something if you want to paint you can start right now you don't need somebody to give you permission to do that. no you don't need permission but i think painting is different this is what i'm getting at about the music the painting and everything else unless you're a child prodigy uh, of of painting or learning music uh, you need to be taught and there are rules and you need to be well, taught yeah. but writing is is different i think there is there there are things that that you, like abstract painting can mm. can be something that people do they don't necessarily i think some people get turned off of expressing themselves creatively because they have to do the according to the rules Hmm. so you know every nobody you know Jimi hendrix wasn't brilliant at the guitar the moment he picked it up Hmm. you know he had to learn how to do that um so just even the process of starting is is important but yes uh, my question was i mean i love the way you're derailing my questions when did you write your first poem or your first piece right um i think the first piece was called november believe it or not, and we're going into November. Mm -hmm. And it is around this time of the year when you have time on your hands. The evenings are darker and they get darker earlier. And it's the time of the year where nothing much is happening apart from a couple of leaves on the trees and, um, you know, the countryside, the mountains, everything is beginning to look gloomy and you know you're still looking back at autumn um the lovely glow to the leaves and maybe you'll get the odd frosty morning and um but i wrote november anyway and i can't remember for the life of me how it went um Do you, what when when was that how that was around 1972 71 72 oh, right, okay. yeah right. yeah so um i was uh I was beginning to put um, words that I had learned. I was beginning to string them together. So I was about 19 years of age and given away my age now. But um, 
I was, I was just going to say you're fast approaching a half century mm. of putting these little words together. Mm. But then, I, of course, I mean, you know, when you get to when you get to 25 or so, you know everything anyway. Oh, well, that's you know, true. Nothing, All 25 year olds yeah, do. Yeah, you know everything. So, I mean, why would I be writing poetry <laughs> at 25? I, you know, I can write them all and yeah. I can write all those in a few minutes. Right. You know, and uh, now, how long does it take you to... Oh, now I will put a lot of work into writing yeah. a piece. Um, it has to be, it has to be just right. And it, it has the process become more enjoyable over the years is it or is it has it become harder is it more rewarding is it all of the above um it's definitely enjoyable but you write and you write for yourself you're not writing for others um and if people like what you write well that's a bonus but you're right for yourself. And if someone says to you, um, I wouldn't have put that word in there, or that's a very difficult word. Well, it's the word that must be there. Yeah. Do you know? It, it, and it's not necessarily to do with um, rhyme, rhyming syllables or anything like that, but it's the word that you want to describe at the time of writing. Mm. And... Um, you know, there's one word there, onomatopoeia, and uh, a friend of mine, he, he he didn't ever know the meaning of the word, and I didn't know the meaning of the word for a long time either, but it just suits that particular piece, it suits that line. And I enjoy when something um, matches up, you know, that that a sentence matches up, with a word that you're thinking about and that you don't have to go searching for it and it slots in. I, I found this year, like, because Ivan constantly talks, because he, he does yoga, obviously, and he constantly talks about finding your flow. And when you're in the zone hmm. and you're, you just, the time just goes like that. It just, it flies when you're, when you're in the hmm. middle of a process or you're writing something and, you just you just keep going and yes you might go back and rework it later but it's almost like an itch that needs to be scratched you just Mm. have to get it if there's something in your head and you've been rolling around in your mind for a few days there just comes a point where right now now is the time to get this down on paper would you have a similar type of it i'd like to look at it in a different way um i used to do a lot of running one time and when you're running really well, you hardly feel your footsteps mm. on the road. Um, you're just, you're just, m- your motion is so perfect. And you could do a mile in six minutes and you'd be delighted with that. And your, your feet are a rhythm mm. as you, as you, as each foot is on, on the, the terrain that you're running on. And it's just this rhythm you get into. And writing poetry is something similar. You can get into a flow and your inspiration is your enjoyment. And when you're enjoying the inspiration that's in there and and the whole lot is flowing and there's no changes to be made afterwards, 
and wouldn't it be great to have it done in six minutes <laughs> yeah well yeah and you're being very modest because i know for a fact that you could run a mile faster than that at one stage uh yeah i think we could do it in uh five seventeen yeah see yeah. see see mm. i do big you up sometimes yeah you yeah know? yeah um i suppose then what where would you have drawn inspiration then in terms of writers down through the years you mentioned um, Walter, Walter Mackin. Walter yeah. Uh, um, ah, well, I mean, it's very hard to say that you, 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 I don't know, do you draw inspiration? Because I have this issue with plagiarism that if you read too much, you intend, you... You, you sound in, like the people you read. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to go there. No, no. You know, so you would listen... You would listen and you would read and listen and read. Um, I I suppose so. You've mentioned Irish authors and there are plenty. Mm. I mean, we're very. You, would you feel that a lot of your say your writing is quintessentially Irish? It's Irish, but I'd like to think I've attempted a broad spectrum, not necessarily Irish. That there's a universality there yeah, to I, it. Yeah. yeah, but there's there's um there's a fictitious piece in my last book now about um the famine in Ireland and there are other little things that could mm. you know, could be plucked from any country in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's um, a human experience there as well at yeah, the heart of yeah, it. Yeah, and that could be anywhere. Yeah. Um but I would like to think that um um that drawn from several areas. Um and, and the poems I don't stick to any particular um vein, if you want to use that word. Yeah. So um I guess we'll end today by maybe if you would like to choose one of your poems to read for us, to I'll give the, the the listeners an idea, um, you can tell them what book this is from and if it's still available and all that kind of thing. Well, uh, of course, the books are still available. Uh, my first one, as I already mentioned, was Words Without Rules. And my second one was An Excursion with Words. And all the books that I write in the future and there will be 40 or 50 or maybe more. That's good because I was going to ask you about the ambitions you have, yeah, you know. Well, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Um, but strange. Um, one of the poems that a lot of people say they love is a very, is a very uh, simple poem. Very, very simple. And... It's so short that um, there's no chance of anyone even developing the semblance of a, a yawn while I read this. So no one will but be tempted might, to skip. They, they might yawn <laughs> afterwards. But it's called Years and it is really, really so short. I think it's 15 syllables in all. So that's not, that's not going to tax anyone. So Years. And it simply goes, Two were getting on in years but weren't getting on for years. Lovely. <laughs> I feel that's not that's not aimed at Ivan and myself, is it? Could be aimed at anyone. Now, I know for a fact that my our listeners will want something a little bit more. Will they? They will. So um, please, please give us something that. Well, believe it or not, I'm 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 not the best to read my own poems, but um, 
uh, I'll see if I can I'll see if I can find it's a shame because uh, you know I, I know for a fact that when you read one of your poems on one of my YouTube videos you got tremendous feedback from and it. can you remember what that one was I cannot remember what one it okay. was actually well I'll do this one then it's called reflection okay and it's about uh, well it'll probably be self-explanatory so reflection and this is from an excursion with words I'm placed by the mirror a baby I see I may not remember this day when I'm three I sit by the mirror today I am four my daddy left home just walked out the door I talk to the mirror those days which I hate he knows that tomorrow my age becomes eight I stare at the mirror at last I am ten no visit no letter by pencil or pen I weep by the mirror I'm almost sixteen my life is my mother my king and my queen I dream by the mirror with my key to the door I would love to see daddy's reflection once more I dress by the mirror in dark suit attire as life's lonely angel must join heaven's choir. In my home there's a mirror, I'm fifty plus ten. I never saw father, not ever again. Wow, thanks dad. Uh, I think, did Margaret read that at the book launch, my sister? Oh, I think she did, yeah. I think she did, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. It's really great and I'm sure the listeners loved that. Please, listeners, let us know in the comments to this video or this podcast. Do you think this man should have his own podcast? Because I'm trying to get him to have his own podcast. You do have a radio show, Sunday Serendipity. I have a radio show on our local radio back in Kilkenny. That's right. Every Sunday morning, Sunday Serendipity, 9 to 12, with a break for Holy Mass in the middle. <laughs> yes, so communityradiokilkenny.ie communityradiokilkennycity.ie Right. 9 to 12 every Sunday morning. Yeah, so uh, if you're interested in hearing more from Pat Shortall, that's where you'll find him. And I would like to thank you, Dad, for giving me an unparalleled gift of love of education and inspiring in all your children that love of education and you know, finding things that uh, are that are fulfilling to you, to us, because we all have that for sure. And we wouldn't have it without you. So thank you very much. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. And the, the one word I leave people with before I go, or well, it's a sentence, but there's one key word in there. And I would say, remove negativity from your life. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you very much, Dad. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again. Ivan will be back. You'll have enough of the short alls now. Ivan will be back next week. And thank you so much for listening. Again, you can email us at thewaywearepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website, thewaywearepodcast.com. We will talk to you all again very soon. Bye from me and bye from my dad. Bye.